Tax moves. Glenn Birnbaum. Glenn is a CPA in East Peoria, Illinois, with Heinel Banhort. And Glenn is on here a lot, and he's been on here a lot here of late, uh, talking about the SBA um, Paycheck Protection Program. And some new guidance has come out from the IRS as to what is and what isn't, and um, most of it revolving around self-employed people. So, Glenn, I guess, kind of outlines some of the new uh, new guidelines that you have out from the IRS. Yeah, sure. Glad to do it. I mean, we're always, we're time stamping these. It's about, so it's about 11 a.m. Central on Wednesday, April 15th, which is tax day. <coughs> instead, we're talking about this SBA loan program. So they did come out with some guidance through the SBA um, yesterday, about 1.30 p.m., I believe, that was mostly directed towards self-employed individuals. And so we have a few, a few items of clarity um, but you know, some more questions as well. So in particular, one of the things is this, this says, Hey, this is, this guidance is applicable to self-employed individuals who file a schedule C schedule C is your normal, you know, if you're self-employed statement that you file, if you're a farmer, you don't file schedule C, you file schedule F. So one of the questions is, is there going to be new guidance, additional guidance on Schedule F, or is it just assumed that Schedule C equals Schedule F? So for right now, you know, we're just going to make some assumptions, you know, and obviously talk, you know, you got to talk to your lender, your tax advisor, but we're going to kind of try to apply the Schedule C logic to a Schedule F farmer for our purposes of our discussion here. Okay. All right. So let's just take, for example, there is a uh, okay. So some of the basic guidelines around surrounding what we've known so far, the, the fifty thousand foot view of what it is basically is that you get um, you have uh, ten weeks worth of now. Make sure I'm saying this right. You can get up to um, eight weeks worth of of payroll and other you know basically eight weeks worth of payroll of as a as a as a, a note that is forgivable right and you have a 10-week period to to spend it correctly is that right is that so you're right? close so it's the opposite so you got it's, it's based on 10 weeks of payroll or technically two and a half months which is a little okay. more than 10 weeks but then you've only got eight weeks to spend it but they let you they let you have other things so yeah so it's roughly about 10 weeks of payroll and but then you only have eight weeks to spend it but you do get to factor in rent interest and utility costs Right. So in theory, you should 100 percent of this should be able to go to payroll tax payroll if you're going to have to make, you know, eight weeks worth of payroll to make that stuff. Now, I know there's a there's there, there's a little bit longer period there to make things happen. I guess they probably took that into consideration because of some other expenses that you would have during that time frame. Is that kind of the mindset there, Glenn? We're, yeah, we're not sure. Um, they did say, they said this a couple of times in some briefs and guidance that they're only going to let you count, but at least, sorry, at least 75% of the forgiveness has to be for payroll. So you start stacking on a lot of extra rent and interest and utilities, even though that might be an allowable use of the loan, right? It's, it's, and it's, it's an acceptable use of the loan proceeds. 
at least 75% of the forgiveness needs to be payroll. So okay, that was not actually in the statute, but they, they want this to be payroll related. You know, they keep your employees on, on yeah. them, you know, connected to your business. So the real question that we had was how does this apply to a sole proprietor or to a self-employed person who does not have any payroll, right? You do not pay any wages. How does that work? So we got clarity on this point, you know, because it was pretty well known that, well, you're going to get a maximum loan of about $20,833 because the cap is $100,000. So if you take $100,000 divided by 12 times two and a half, the loan, I believe, is $20,833. So that's as big as loan as you can get if you're self-employed, basically. But then the question was, how do I, how do I pay that amount, you know, in that eight-week period, right? I'm not really spending money because it's not, you know, I'm not paying myself. Or, and so this is the, probably the main guidance that came out yesterday is they're just going to take um, 850 seconds, eight divided by 52, eight weeks divided by 52, 850 seconds, which I think is like 15.3%. That's the forgivable amount. Guaranteed. So it does not matter what you did in 2020 during that eight week period for this part, for the payroll cost part, right? Because the loan is based on your payroll, which includes self-employment income. So for this point, it does not matter how much money you made in that eight week period. You made zero, if you made a lot, it's just kind of an automatic 850 seconds is going to be forgiven. So, so what you're saying is that a guy like me, this one man army that has a, a little side business that I just do on the side and it's just whatever it is that whatever my schedule C says on my, um, yep. on my 2019 schedule C, whatever that says, they're going to divide that by eight fifty seconds. Yep. And that's going to be, yeah. um, what, what I can get as far as this paycheck protection thing goes. Yeah. So now again, it, this gets tricky, but I know I've been saying 10 weeks and it's probably a little closer to 11 weeks. If you do the math, you know, two and a half months divided by 12. So your loan amount is kind of based on awful close to 11 weeks. Your forgiveness is based on eight weeks. So you do that math. It's around, it's a little under 75% is pretty much automatically going to be forgiven. Okay. And then we believe, or not quite sure, but we believe that then you still, a, sole, a self-employed person, again, this guidance is just for self-employed, but we still think you can factor in things like the rent and the utilities and the interest expense. So again, you've got a reasonable chance of having it all be forgiven. Um, so that they're taking away any nuance of how much money I made. It's just, it's kind of, it's pretty much on autopilot, right? It's both the loan amount and the loan forgiveness for the payroll part is, is just based on your 2019 tax return. Schedule C, line 31, just your net profit that's on that return. Okay. If you haven't filed your return, you're supposed to provide a draft to the bank or the, you know, to the lender. If you do not, did not file a 2019 Schedule C because you just started your own business in 2020, they said they're going to provide more guidance on that. Okay. Because really, this should be through February 15th. You had to be, as long as you're in business on February 15th, you'd be okay. So there's there's still some holes in this guidance. Yeah, sounds like it. Okay, so now, so what, what's the audit trail? What do I, what do I have to, so yeah. a guy like me, single sole writer, kind of just a one-man army here. Yeah. What kind of audit trail do I have to provide for this? So the audit trail for, you know, the bulk of this is just going to be that Schedule C um, for 2019. I think they do want to 
see if you would have issued any 1099s to anybody, you know, if you paid somebody and, you know, an independent contractor that would kind of show you're in business, uh, maybe a couple other things, but, but it's really pretty simple for the schedule C person. Um, but then things like rent you paid and utilities you paid, I think it's going to be, you know, copies of canceled checks, copies of invoices. So there's going to be kind of a package of information that a lot of, you know, a lot of regular small businesses will have to provide, you know, for payroll, they'd have to provide the documentation for payroll, um, but again, a sole proprietor really, or I should say a, a self-employed person who does not have payroll, really it's primarily going to be that Schedule C. And so if you haven't filed your return, um, you know, you can provide a draft or you, you know, try to try to finalize it. And what whatever income is on there is going to determine your loan amount. Okay. So, so what happens if, okay, so I know they're talking about, so a lot of businesses, especially sole proprietorships and those kind of things, like where they have um, these kind of, they'll, they'll show a, a loss and those kind of things. How does that work at yeah. all of this? So. Yeah, that's, I was just going to get to that. So, you know, right now, and again, it just says for Schedule C people, but we know a lot of Schedule F people have, have this going on as you trade off equipment, mm-hmm. you know, because we got to move some iron, I think, because the buzzer. <laughs> right. So yeah. you trade off equipment and now that triggers a gain because they did away with this like kind of exchange rule for personal property. So it triggers a gain and that gain is not subject to self-employment tax, but it's subject to regular income tax. So what you typically do is you try to take a lot of depreciation to offset a lot of that. But unfortunately all that depreciation goes on schedule F and you probably have a loss on schedule F or you have a low number on schedule F. So as of right now, or your schedule C, it's same rule for schedule C, but as of right now, you know, we're hoping for some guidance, but if you don't have hardly any income on your schedule F, self you know that's right. subject to self-employment tax doesn't matter your gains potentially on the farm equipment you really aren't going to get much and again even if if you made a hundred thousand on your schedule f quite a bit of money right in these times that's a loan of twenty thousand eight thirty three you know not bad not bad yeah. but in the grand scheme of you know putting in a crop right and the cost to incur right. probably not a ton so we're not sure if there's going to be additional, you know, additional aid that's provided to farmers specifically. Is that why this guidance just said Schedule C? But it seems clear for the Schedule C person that you do have to have self-employment income. Yeah. Okay. So basically, it doesn't matter what your actual tax return says about your debits and credits and this, that, and the other things and your deductions and all that kind of stuff. It's just based on what that final little box that says at the bottom. Adjust, that adjust. one schedule, yeah. There could be all sorts of other schedules and forms, and yeah. So, yep. So that was certainly. Um, I mean, it was helpful to understand how the forgiveness works. That it's for a self-employed person. It's pretty much just automatic. Another little quirk that I'm not sure we talked about was what's the definition of a utility cost? Because you get utilities, rent, and interest. Those three. Um, and in in the statute, it said utilities is like electricity, gas distribution, transportation, telephone, you know, internet. And so maybe on Sesame Street, or maybe I'm missing my analogies here, but which one of those doesn't belong? You know, gas, utilities, electricity, internet access, telephone, transportation. Perhaps transportation is a little odd, right? Right. So last week, people are like, uh, I put this out on Twitter because I wanted to get, you know, insights. What does transportation mean? Well, some people said it's apparently there's like a transportation surcharge occasionally for certain states on like a utility. So maybe that's why they have it in there. 
Okay, well, the guidance yesterday says your vehicle fuel counts as a utility cost. Your vehicle fuel counts as a utility cost. I don't think anyone expected that. It's certainly good news. Yeah. Does this apply to just self-employed people, maybe like an Uber driver? Does this apply to all businesses? But this fuel concept or gas concept has now been thrown into the mix that we didn't expect. So we'll see what that means. That's an, that's an odd thing to throw into the utility bucket, but I'm yes. sure, I mean, there's plenty of people that I'm sure will, will make. But the, the key thing about all this is all these different utilities and stuff are getting piled into that. The key takeaway here is that 75% of this loan has to be used to, for payroll yeah. and you have to prove that. So yeah. I don't understand the whole, I mean, I get the fact that people want to use utilities and rent and those kind of things to do that. But if it's, you got to make, damn sure that you spend 75% of this on, on payroll. Otherwise it's, yeah, it's right. just a two year loan at 1%. Yes. That's a great point. And some of our clients are, you know, wrestling with that is, you know, right. the worst case scenario here is a 1% loan for two years. We believe it's two years. Is there a chance that if you didn't use the proceeds, you know, because you had a lot of payroll in the last year, you know, that maybe I'm not saying this is right, but you know, at this point with no guidance, you just wonder, and it's, it's about expectation management. Is there a chance that if you didn't spend the money properly by June 30th, because that is the covered period end date, June 30th, that maybe you have to pay back the loan immediately. Ultimately it's your lenders do, you know, loan document that would determine that, but, and hopefully most, maybe most people aren't in that situation, but, but you know there there is still some uncertainty in how this all works. You've got the eligible use concept, or what are acceptable uses of the loan proceeds, and then you have separately the forgiveness concept. Those are pretty close to the same thing, but there's different periods, and and we're not sure. So, but yeah, worst case scenario, it's a one percent interest loan, probably a lower interest rate than you're currently than you currently have on your line of credit. Right, almost almost guaranteed. Yeah. Yeah, one percent money is pretty cheap. Uh, you can't you can't really get much better than that. So, yep. but I guess but that's the, that's the other side. I guess if you what do you want to use it for? If you have a strong balance sheet and you got lots of cash laying around and you can continue to play your employees through this time, and or if you're in a, especially if you're in a non-essential business, if you're in an essential business like agriculture or something like that, where yep. you know we still have people coming to buying parts and getting machines worked on, and we're selling tractors and those kind of stuff. It's a uh, that's a different story than the, than the local coffee shop or whatever it is in town that's, that's doing something where they're, you know, they're still open for business. It's just 65 or 7% of the people that would normally come in aren't coming in anymore and they're at home. So I guess you're probably going to reduce workforce. Yeah. 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 So I think that's a whole different, whole different concept. So, so that was kind of part one was the self-employed people for schedule C. The other wrinkle they threw in here, which certainly has applicability to farmers and other businesses is they said, and we've talked about this is over the years, but okay. A partner in a partnership, you can't be paid a wage. You're instead paid a guaranteed payment and you're kind of considered self-employed. And so they said, Hey, somebody who's a partner in a partnership, um, do not file the PPP application separately, which there's a lot of people that thought maybe that's what you need to do, right? If you're a partner, they said, no, we'll go ahead and let the partnership use, you know, wages paid to employees, you know, who are not owners, plus then add in, you know, the self-employment income, like the guaranteed payment that you're being paid, right? So just, they kind of said, maybe technically that's not right because partners aren't owner or partners aren't employees, but from a practical standpoint, 
you know, we don't want people, you know, it could be law firm partners, right? We don't want, you know, 10 law firm partners applying for a separate loan. Why not just have the law partnership apply for it? So they did provide guidance that the partnership or the LLC that's taxed as a partnership can go ahead and factor in extra payroll costs for owners. And so the real challenge here is there's been a number of people that have already filed their application, you know, because this is not for self-employed people. This is for regular you know, businesses. They've already filed their application, probably already got their ETRAN loan number. And so does this mean you go back to your lender and say, hey, now that we know this rule, we would, we'd like to tack on, you know, roughly that 20,833, you know, just to keep the math simple. If, if you know, if you're paying the owner a hundred grand, if you tack on a $20,000, 833 loan amount to your existing loan. So how will this work? Will they, will they let us amend it? Or are you just kind of, you know what, too, too bad. You, you know, you, the money's already coming and we can't, we can't send you more. So that was a pretty big surprise that most people thought, well, technically a partner in a partnership is not an employee. So it's not a payroll cost. That's, that was nice of them. So, you know, how this applies is a number of farmers might be general partners in a partnership, right? A farming partnership. It's pretty common structures and things, even, you know, husband and wife and things. And so potentially that partnership can now apply for a PPP loan and, um, and get it. So it's, so that was, that was another wrinkle to this, um, as we're, as we're working through it, it's kind of funny. The, the heading Casey was a very generic heading. Like the title of this rule was talking about like lending and it had nothing. It, is, it does not say self-employed. It does not say partners. I mean, if you read the heading of this guidance, it would not tell you anything about what, what it was talking about. So, right. Yeah. But yeah. I guess that's not the, I guess that's not the first time. No, it's not. It happens. So, okay. So there's rumblings. There's going to be a phase two of this whole pay tech, paycheck protection thing. Do you have any insights on that? You know, it, I know it was going to get voted on last week. It didn't. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of talk about it. You know, another 200 billion or something. There's statistics that are coming out that are saying, you know, now we're this much committed. Uh, I think last, I think this was a, as of two days ago, it was 242 billion, as I recall. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the interesting things is the actual funding is not being tracked. So this is just tracking the commitments. That's all. And the funding is not actually going to be tracked. Okay. So we're actually not going to know. I, that's what I can see on video here. So that should be your response. The funding is not being tracked. Like, wait a minute. How is this possible? Well, here's the theory or the, what is going to be tracked is the forgiveness. That's what really matters, right? $350 billion is going to be forgiven, right? That's the true cost to the government. So let's say there's $450 billion in loans given out. But if only $350 billion is forgiven based on those other rules, it's actually okay, right, for budget purposes. So do I think they'll expand it? Probably. But, but are, are they counting on some of these loans actually not being forgiven 100%? Does that make any sense? Well, yeah, I'm sure they're probably banking on that to some extent that yeah. there's probably 25% of it that they think is not going to get. Yeah. No, I'm sure the IRS is going to be in charge of auditing all this and they, they're they really good at getting money out of people or at least yeah. finding where you owe more money. So, you know, they, I'm sure they can, they can run that pretty well. 
But I, I mean, I think to get back to your question, I think there will be some, you know, give and take on both sides of the aisle. Right. And there probably will be an expansion of it. Um, just because, you know, the guidance has been a little lacking and, and the funding has been a little lacking. And so people still, people are still trying to get in line. So, so to kind of paraphrase what you said, they're going to track the actual loans that are going out, not what got funded, but what's getting forgiven. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, what's, what's being reported right now, we believe, or we're pretty darn sure is, is what's being keyed into the e-tran system as like a, which is the SBA software system that it doesn't mean it's act, you know, it's just somebody enters it in and that's, so they're reporting that, but there's not been a ton of money that's being funded yet. Although I think there's a number of loans happening this week, but they're actually not going to tell us, well, of that 250 billion, you know, 150 million was funded last week. That will not, it's not, it's not capable of reporting that apparently what's what they're capable of reporting eventually is how much is forgiven. And that'll be, you know, in third quarter. Okay. Wow. Okay. Awesome. Well, good deal. So there's just uh, still advancing some questions that probably muddied the water a little bit more than, than they, uh, in some areas, but for the most yeah. part, there's somewhat level clarity, I guess, to, as to what you can and can't do here. Yep. I think that's the, that's, that's a good summary. And then my, my real takeaway here, as far as the action item, and this is not, you know, not just for self-employed people, actually self-employed people get a bit of a break based on how this forgiveness works, but for anybody that's got this loan in the works, you've got to try to model out the eight week period, even with all the uncertainty, we don't really know if it means cash basis, accrual basis, or, you know, when, when's my pay period? Is it this Friday or next Friday? Is it, you know, but you've got to try to model out this eight week period just to get it going, right. Just to practice and send it to somebody else and let, have them poke holes in it and say, well, wait a minute, I'm not sure this counts because you really want to be proactive on this. Right. There is, we have eight weeks. I mean, there is time, but you got to try to model this out and see how close you are to getting to be forgiven. You know, do I need to factor in fuel costs or not? You know, you know, if, if you can have it be hundred percent forgiven without fuel, you know, maybe, maybe I shouldn't bank on fuel or no, I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to bank on that. My fuel cost counts or what about my interest expense? You know, there's just a lot of, and the more times you do it, the better practice, and do it several times because you just don't know what you don't know until you try to model it out. Yeah. That's, that's my big takeaway here. Yeah. Well, good stuff as usual, Glenn, uh, plenty, plenty of things to reach out and talk to you about here. So folks wanted to do that. What's the best way to do it? Yeah. It's best to call our office here at Heinold Bannard. It'll ring to my cell phone if you ask for me, but our number is 309-694-4251. Be happy to talk to anybody. And then, you can always uh, reach out to me on Twitter at Glenn Birnbaum is my handle. Yep. And do that. Take up, take Glenn up on that Twitter thing, man. There's a lot of information out there and there's plenty of accountants that go back and forth on those feeds. So uh, you're going to get about 14 different answers on that when you ask a question. So um, make sure you follow Glenn on Twitter and uh, check that out. So Glenn, uh, thanks for being on the podcast, man. Thank you, Casey. All right. I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Check me out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram for all the latest postings that I have, as well as movingironllc.com for all the latest Moving Iron information. Also, check out Global Ag Network and the great podcasters there. And until next time, I'm Casey Seymour with Glenn Birnbaum. Let's go meet some iron folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.
find us here moving on